This is the Journal of American History podcast for June 2012. Today we welcome to the podcast three consulting editors for the Journal of American History's June 2012 special issue, Oil in American History. Brian Black, professor in the Department of History and Environmental Studies at Penn State University, Altoona. Karen Merrill, professor of history at Williams College. And Tyler Priest, director of global studies at the University of Houston. And in fall 2012, Tyler will be joining the faculty in the history department at the University of Iowa. Brian and Karen and Ty, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much. So when I first started thinking about this special issue, it seemed to me that oil, which was has been so much in the news in the last years, pervaded so much of American culture, American uh, uh, politics, American economy, but I, and it seemed to me many other people knew so little about it other than as a geopolitical problem or as something to gripe about when you went to the, to the gas tank. And it seemed to me, as we several years ago in the special issue on Katrina historicized that catastrophe in a number of interesting ways, we could do the same thing with the topic of oil in American history. And uh, uh, Ty Priest, you remember I, I called you and we began to uh, explore this and eventually you and Brian and Karen uh, became consulting editors and have done an absolutely superb, brilliant job uh, on crafting this special issue, which for listeners consists of 24 essays on virtually every facet of oil in American history, geopolitical issues, issues of visual culture, issues of oil and evangelical religion, uh, issues about American oil company in uh, Mexico and other areas in South America, uh, in Africa. It's been a, a, a fascinating project for me to work on as editor of the journal and a project in which I learned a, a tremendous amount. But let me start by asking you, and, and Ty, maybe we'll, we'll start with you. When I have mentioned over these past months that the JH is doing a special issue on oil in American history, invariably the response I get is, wow, I never would have thought of that for a special issue for the journal. What, what does that say to you? Uh, I mean, in one way, it says we really need a special issue on this. But why do you think historians would greet this with such surprise? Uh, it might be just a symptom of the way Americans look at oil. And, and Karen and I have talked about this before, about how oil has largely been invisible. Uh, you know, people drive cars, but they never actually witness the oil that goes into their gas tank and consumers have a, really only a vague sense of how so many things that they consume and use in their everyday lives depend on synthetic materials derived from oil. Oil's been the lifeblood of American society for at least a century, and it's it's really time that it that the story of oil and the everything we depend on uh, from this resource be integrated into 
you know, larger panoramas of American history. I did look back to see what had been published on oil in the Journal of American History, and there hasn't been one. There hasn't been an article directly about oil since June of 1982, so it's been 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were only two uh, that I could find when it was the Journal of American History since 1964. Uh, there were there were a handful when it was the Mississippi Valley Historical Review on Standard Oil and and uh, you know uh, Teapot Dome and so forth, but. Uh, I, there's just there's a new there's a new wave of scholarship I think on oil history that you know that started I guess sometime in the 90s uh, maybe in the wake of Daniel Jurgen's the prize um, you know there was a a burst of interest in the, during the energy crisis of the 70s but it sort of just went away for uh, a couple of decades and and now you're seeing um, good history being done on the industry and in, in various subfields. Most of the work so far is, seems to have come out of the environmental history. I looked through the author list, and I would say about 10 or almost half of the authors we have would probably identify themselves as environmental historians. But, um, you know, there, there's other good work being done, too. Thanks, Ty. Karen, Brian, what are your thoughts about this? And I'm, I guess I'm interested if, if you have mentioned this special issue to others, whether you've gotten the same response. Karen? Yeah, I mean, I think there's something about the way that oil has operated in the media in the last several decades and the way that it bursts into media attention, either seems to me in sort of one of two ways, either because of oil spills, these very dramatic spills like the Exxon Valdez or the Deepwater Horizon, and just a vortex of media attention, national attention swirls around it, or because of price jumps, whether in the 70s or, you know, in the recent you know, last five, five, six, seven years or so. Um, and again, we get these vortices of attention that swirl around this um, and then then fade relatively rapidly if, if the prices fall or when the cleanup crews go away. And so there's a, there's a way in which we go through these endless cycles of what seem like very, you know, rapid uh, interest around oil, but then it fades away that make it very difficult, it seems, uh, for people to historicize oil. And I think um, Ty's looking back and seeing how little historians have done and how little has been published in the JAH is really, uh, I think, powerful testimony to the way that it's been difficult to see oil as a historical um, subject. I think, that, again, there's something about the way that we, we perceive it and the invisibility of it. And I think what our authors have done in a number of different areas is really try to, to peel back the, um, the sort of the screens or the, the various ways in which oil is hidden below the surface in both products, actual products, but also in American culture and life and politics and so forth to find where oil actually is. And I think that the the last thing I would say about it is when we have tried to historicize oil or understand oil's impact in in American life, typically we fall on, you know, very simplistic understanding of oil uh, as simply the role of big oil in in American politics and life. And uh, that has been such a reigning way that historians, when we have thought about oil, that that we've understood it. Um, and I, again, I think uh, recently historians have come to try to want to bring more complexity uh, to that narrative. 
Thank you, Karen. You know, it's interesting thinking about Ty's comment about the journal. Uh, it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to go through the programs for the annual meeting of the OAH and see how many, if any, panels there have been on this subject back through the years. I wager we wouldn't find probably many more uh, than, than Ty found in, in the journal, uh, which is interesting. So, Brian, thoughts about this? Oh, sure. And uh, uh, everyone has, has set me up, I think, exactly with what, what I identify as the predominant theme of the literature up to this point, which has been that, that oil is about business, that it's been the purview of business history. And, um, and one aspect of, of, I think, what our authors accomplished in this special issue uh, was to to begin um, to explore and explode that image. Um, yes, there is business involved. Yes, there are ethics and paradigms related to that. But uh, as Karen was just suggesting, the complexity that we can now achieve through the historicizing this is is really unique. And and even though some of, uh, well, about half of our authors are coming from a a quote unquote environmental history. Um, perspective, what that really means is that they're looking at a resource. They're not necessarily looking at environmentalism per se, but they're looking at a resource and how it has social and cultural implications. And I, I've talked to a lot of people about the topic of the special issue because I was so um, struck by the fact that, that JH was going to pursue this. And and I, I think, um, you know, one of the one of the really unique qualities that our authors achieved here is that, um, uh, you know, one initial re response that I get from people is, oh, well, you mean you're, this is kind of an outcome of the Gulf oil spill of 2010. Well, how does uh, a, a, a special issue of a historical journal a couple years after that event really, you know, inform that? And uh, and my my response to that is actually um, it's informed by it, uh, and that we have um, by exploring that complexity taken the impetus of that moment uh, to create a lasting impact by uh, in the way we approach uh, the history of this resource. Thank you, Brian. It's important, isn't it, uh, for for listeners to know that as you said very well, uh, this isn't environmental history looking at oil, but historicizing oil in all kinds of ways with, of course, voices of environmental historians and environmental topics there. Just to give listeners uh, a, 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 an example of some of the titles of the essays, and I won't read them all, but uh, some of them, Oil in the American Century, Oil for Living, Petroleum and American Conspicuous Consumption, Blessed by oil, cursed with crude, God and black gold in the American Southwest, culture clash, foreign oil and indigenous people in northern Veracruz, Mexico, 1900 to 1921, fueling the boom, gasoline taxes, invisibility, and the growth of the American highway infrastructure, uh, and so forth and, and so on. Uh, so as we thought about and we had uh, so many calls together to think about topics and um, authors. The JH only has so much room. What were some topics in an ideal world that you would have liked to have uh, uh, suggested that we simply couldn't do because of, of size? Hi. Well, there's, there's still a lot of areas that 
could be explored. One thing we tried to do uh, was to show how a study of oil can uh, help further the project of internationalizing American history. Uh, so we wanted to take countries and regions of the world that where American oil interests have been deeply involved and include those in, in this uh, uh, special issue. So we do have a, um, an article on Mexico, as you mentioned, by Myrna Santiago, and and uh, we look at we have an article with Canadian U U.S. Uh, relations, of course, the Middle East, an essay on uh, the role of American oil companies in the Nigerian Civil War. The one place that has been very important for American oil companies. Uh, that we don't have is Venezuela, and we tried, but we're, we're not able to follow through on on getting an essay on Venezuela. So that's that's one area that I that I think uh, you know is there's a gap there. Um, other topics that I you know just thinking about that and would be great for, for future research and study uh, would be oil money and patronage. Uh, looking at say. Uh, foundations that have been funded by oil fortunes like Rockefeller and Pew and Mellon and, mm -hmm. and, and their impact on American life. Advertising, oil company advertising, mm -hmm. you think about the Texaco's or, or PR uh, sponsorship of cultural programs, you think of uh, mobile, uh, is that right? Yeah, mobile and masterpiece mm -hmm. theater, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, other kinds of material culture, I think. Workers too. We do have an essay that I co-authored on on refinery workers, but the industry employs people from you know in the oil fields and in the gas stations. Uh, you know, they use a more comprehensive look at people who work in the oil industry. So those are just mm -hmm. some areas that I think. Of. Thanks, Ty. Karen, what about you? I'm just building off of what what Ty said. Uh, yes, if we had lots more pages and <laughs> ability to recruit more people, I'd love to see uh, more articles and more work on uh, race and labor um, uh, in um, in the oil industry. There's there's lots more, and again, um, Ty's article uh, on on labor. Um, I think does a great job getting into some of that, and it would be wonderful to have more on that. Actually, an area that we don't have. Uh, much, and that I just actually, Ty might know uh, whether there's work being done. I would love to have work being done on this. I don't know how many people are excited about this, but actually oil services companies, and especially their role in um, heading over to the Middle East after World War II. Um, they're incredibly important in building ties between um, for instance, Texas and Saudi Arabia right after World War II and building those links. And that leads as well to, I think, but if there were world enough in time, it would be great to have more work on these communities of Americans who are moving over to um, uh, Saudi Arabia um, and other parts of the Middle East and other parts of, uh, of the world um, and working in the oil industries uh, in the post-war period. And we've got some work that's, uh, that is out there and being done um, on this, but I'd love to see um, see more being done on that. Uh, lastly, Brian's, Brian Black is already paving the way in, in this kind of work, uh, but I'd love to see more work on the various industries that come out of, um, you know, feedstocks and oil, so not just plastics, which which Brian has done work in, but also uh, agriculture and the links between uh, oil and uh, the industrialization of agriculture in the post-war period. Mm, so there are just Karen. a few. 
<laughs> Thank you. Yes, Brian. As you can tell, it, it, it is uh, frustrating to try to put this in a bottle, to put this in a container, because it just le makes you have other ideas. And that's exactly <laughs> what we all suffer from, I think. I focus on, on the consumer side, and, and I could have seen you know every article focusing on other aspects of the consumer side, as Karen was just suggesting. My article does do that, but then we also have another one that looks at film and how that uh, has been impacted and also has impacted the discussion. We uh, have imagery of oil spills and how in the popular culture that has impacted. And then if we look at, at the consumer side in a different way, roads, we have another article uh, by uh, Chris Wells about how the financing of roads has, has moved forward. And that's a topic that, that could be dealt with in every community or on a large scale and a small scale. And so you ultimately, uh, by doing it just once, you want to do it additionally. You want to cover it more and more. But I um, I think the one thing that I focused on that uh, in terms of something I was frustrated about that we couldn't get into is what uh, uh, my favorite, the American pickers call Petroliana. Uh, and that is, uh, again, on the consumer side where we have the material artifacts of this industry and how how that becomes such a, an incredible indication of how closely Ameri the American public has come to live uh, with petroleum, where we see this incredible interest of buffs to collect signage, to collect uh, old oil cans, and then all sorts of uh, things that the Exxon stations have given away over the years, which all goes to form a record that we have a relationship that at least over 50 years, probably over a full century, uh, we have uh, defined intimately than maybe with any other resource. And I think that consumer side is something I would have loved to have seen us be able to do even more of. Well, you, listening to the three of you makes me wish we could have done a, a two-volume special issue. Would have would have been really nice. So, Brian, why don't we start with, with you? Uh, could you say a little bit? Well, first, I should, I should tell listeners that the three of you, along with outside readers and along with uh, our in-house readers, uh, put authors really through the drill, as we always do at the JH. With all of these essays, they went through multiple um, revisions, and the three of you were superb readers of these. So you, all three of you have read all of them many times. You're immersed in different ways in the field of oil studies. What surprised you, if anything, from reading these? Brian, can you start off? Well, I... I, I... I guess I was surprised to see that as we began to take this historical perspective, and and I need to say we couldn't we couldn't go as far back in history as we might have wanted to. Too, we were really focusing on on this century relationship with petroleum, but I I was really taken by some of the the articles that were looking forward. We had, uh, for instance, Diana Davids Hinton's uh, discussion of the development of technology for shale oil or however you want to put that. Um, and that is certainly something that, yes, she treats it historically, but it's surprising to see how this goes right into the present. And then, of course, Karen's fine uh, end piece where we consider the idea of climate change and how a very contemporary issue like that is also tied up in this relationship. So I approached this as well-versed to some degree in the politics of the international scene, of the geopolitics, as we call it today, 
that was impressive to me to see that documented by authors like David Painter. But I think the thing that was, was most uh, surprising to me was to see how effectively the story keeps going right into the future, forward. Karen, what was surprising to you about uh, as you were reading these uh, essays? Well, I mean, there were so many surprises in the articles themselves. So I'll just pitch that in terms of um, how wonderful the articles are individually and just having so many surprising details. I'll just throw out one article, Christopher Wells's article about um, uh, the invisibility of gasoline taxes, for instance, is just a wonderful piece in talking about the way that gasoline taxes operate very invisibly to create this uh, car culture around road building in the post-war p- period. For instance, it's just a wonderful example of an article that just has these constant mo- moments of surprise. But I guess at a larger level, because I think Brian did that so nicely, I think what surprised me was just the enormous scale of the tensions that are involved in Americans' relationship with oil. Um, I think we knew, we know that we have a tremendous love-hate relationship with oil, but working on this volume and seeing the myriad ways that that's true, whether at the you know international geopolitical level, uh, uh, down to you know the way it operates in our cars at the pump. Uh, uh, in just everyday life, uh, it just was enormously striking to me. Um, the the tension between invisibility and visibility of oil again, we we that's been a theme since Ty brought it up at the very beginning. Uh, you know, when we have these oil spills, oil is profoundly visible to us, but in every other way, it often is is deeply invisible. Um, and the way that oil, we go through periods of, of sensing oils, the great glut of oil or of natural gas or um, uh, of uh, periods of oil booms, but also periods of great oil scarcity and the tremendous tension between you know, countries that have enormous access to oil and countries that don't. So I think those tensions and the, the, the enormity of those tensions really struck me in doing this volume. Thank you, Karen. Ty, what about you? I don't know if I would call it surprise, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of things I learned from all these articles, and I I would echo Karen's comment about the tension. You know, I I was, the way I thought about it is just a a kind of deep ambivalence that Americans have uh, with oil, that they're completely dependent on it, uh, but sort of resentful of that dependence. You know, they hate the oil companies, and, it, and that might explain why there's been so much inattention. People just don't want to think about their relationship with oil. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, as long as it, as long as cheap and and they can get where they want, then you know it's out of sight, out of mind. But you have these spasms, as Karen said, uh, where there's a crisis, a supply shortage, a price spike, concerns about scarcity that sort of go through these cycles uh, over history. And you can kind of see the periods that people are interested in, you know, are the, the, the peaks in those, those crisis periods. So it's, a, but in, in every article, I think you can find this, t- these tensions or this deep ambivalence in, in Americans relationship with this commodity. One of the things that I found, I guess, surprising was when I was working on the website and trying to find resources. And there's this whole world of uh, 
people who do oil history. They're just not scholars. And this goes back to Brian's comment mm-hmm. about Petroliana. And, you know, we have a pretty neat website with links and, and places people can go to to explore oil history. And there's some, I, could, I didn't, I had no idea there were so many oil museums mm-hmm. around the country, um, you know, in Texas and Louisiana and Kansas and, you know, even in various parts of the Midwest, uh, where a lot of this material culture is collected. Um, and and there, there's a whole very vibrant community of people who write oil history who aren't scholars. They're, you know, they're either just people are fascinated with the subject or had worked in the industry. Um, and this leads me to another point I wanted to make, you know, going back to one of our earlier conversations is that a lot of oil history has been written by, you know, amateur historians, journalists, industry partisans, sponsored studies. Uh, Karen mentioned the oil service companies. There have been quite a few histories of some of those, Halliburton, Brown and Root, mm-hmm. Schlumberger, uh, but it's all kind of sponsored history, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is useful, uh, but also, you know, it's not not considered scholarship. And so, if, you know, I think there's what I would like to see is more communication among you know, academic historians and this wider world of, of people who know a lot about the industry and, and, and who write about it. Thank you, Ty. All three of you, given your own immersion in the field and now after having been uh, consulting editors on the special issue, would be ideally placed to write a state-of-the-field essay on oil history. If you were to do that as you were coming to the latter part of such an essay and wanted to think about what kind of exciting scholarship you see on the horizon. What's the, to use the phrase we always use, cutting edge, and what would you like to see? What's the real need coming down the road? You've all said a little bit about this, but uh, I think it would be good for listeners to to hear you sort of focus on this. Karen, could you start? Well, I'll just mention one thing, um, because I, I can see see the work is starting to happen on this. I would love to see continuing work um, on the links between oil and the built environment of America after World War II. Uh, You know, we are seeing it absolutely with uh, work starting on um, uh, road building, the interstates, uh, suburbia, really starting to understand suburbia, not just in terms of policymaking and environmental history, but the actual um, resources that are needed uh, to create um, suburbia and down to the actual houses. What are what goes into um, uh, um, the building of, of suburban houses, which are incredibly dependent on, on oil? And how does the actual uh, physical landscape of America um, change because of access to, to cheap oil? And that, that comes out of my interest as um, someone who's interested in the history of the environment um, and also as a, as a political historian as well, that those two are um, the, the politics of land use and uh, the access to this resource are absolutely essential in transforming the built environment of America uh, after World War II. So that's where I would really love to see things um, go. Good. Thanks, Karen. Brian, what are your thoughts about this? I would say that um, I, could, I could see it going on both the micro level and the macro, because I think what we what we found in these um, essays is uh, the the framework, uh, the macro framework, 
for a whole host of essays that need to be written, books that need to be written. And, um, and for instance, I think uh, using the field of economics, the oil curse idea, where we mm-hmm. begin to see, and we have a few different articles that, that encroach on that concept, where, where we are literally at a juncture where developing oil is not only seen as a cultural positive, that there are downsides to it. And, and we're at a point where um, international historians need to go through and look at these communities, need to look at these different, um, uh, almost like a laboratory, these different experiences with petroleum overseas. And in doing that, um, we begin to, to texture our um, understanding of our crude dependence, where we um, really need this oil. But I also wanted to, to say one more thing that, that came out of all the essays together to me that, that I think is another area people need to go in the macro area again, where we're talking broadly about energy. And when you mm-hmm. look at patterns in world history and you see that since 1900, humans have used more energy than in their entire history previous to that, this is a story. This is a big story, and and petroleum is a vital cog in that, and it and it really comes right in to a lot of the big themes that we talk about in world history, the Great Reversal, and how how these how this inertia of global development changes with the introduction of energy, and then the smaller stories that compose that larger macro story. I think that's really a way we're going to see scholars going in the future. Thank you, Brian. It's fascinating. Ty, your thoughts. Yeah, I agree with both Brian and Karen, and maybe I'll just elaborate a little on both. Uh, first, what what Brian was talking about, I think historians have a lot to contribute uh, to our general understanding about energy transitions. You know how societies, you know, both at a local, regional, and even more global level, have moved from biomass to coal, from coal to oil, from oil to some kind of new energy future, which you know will involve a range of different kinds of sources. You know, natural gas. We talked about. Now we talk about conventional oil and unconventional oil. Um, it's you know it, it, we need to look at ener- energy broadly conceived, and, and a lot of people are doing that. It's just one of the most dynamic areas of research that I that I see happening. You know, in um, in environmental history, but also in economic history and, and other other disciplines, um, I think technology is also an important part. And, and you know, the sort of sponsored studies and and uh, histories that are closely affiliated with industry tend to celebrate the, the technology. Uh, conversely, I think the average person um, and even the average historian or academic has no uh, no comprehension of, of the, the scale and sophistication of technology and industry, uh, but we, you know, we we need we shouldn't just celebrate it. We should try to understand it on a more deeper level. And I think that's what happened um, with the Deepwater Horizon. Is suddenly people realized or saw for the first time the kind of complex technologies that were at play in deep water, and what, what did this mean for our relationship to the natural world, to our to the built environment that we have constructed over the last century, it isn't so much we're dependent on the resources. We ha- we also have this built environment that is hard to diversify away from. You know, not just the roads, but the pipelines and the 
and the refineries and you know the technologies of consumption as well as as production there's this massive built environment and even our best intentions to switch to natural gas or or solar wind whatever it's not just the fact that those sources don't have the same kind of energy density that oil does is that we have this we are have this dedicated infrastructure that it that creates this tremendous inertia mm-hmm. and so i'd like to see, i think you know we're going to see more and more work done in those that area too thank you ty we've been talking with professor brian black department of history and environmental studies at penn state university altoona karen merrill Professor of History at Williams College, and Tyler Priest, Director of Global Studies at the University of Houston, soon to be at the University of Iowa. They are the consulting editors and each, of course, participants as well in the Journal of American History special issue for June 2012, Oil in American History. The three of you have been the best consulting editors any editor could possibly ask to work with, and I, I and readers of the journal owe the three of you uh, a great debt of thanks, and uh, at a soon-to-be annual meeting of the OEH, of course, dinner is on me, so I will look forward to that. <laughs> thanks to all of you. Thank you, Ed. The Organization of American Historians holds several events each year for researchers and educators in American history. To learn more about the OAH Annual Meeting, the OAH Community College Workshop, and other ways to connect with researchers and educators, visit the OAH website at www.oah.org meetings. This podcast is produced by the Journal of American History, the leading scholarly publication and the journal of record in American history. Visit us on the web at www.journalofamericanhistory.org. Please support the journal by becoming a member of the Organization of American Historians. Subscribe online at www.oah.org and you will receive a printed copy of the journal four times a year. Thank you for listening to the Journal of American History podcast for June 2012. Please listen to our next podcast in September 2012. If you have any comments, please email us at jahcast at oah.org.